0: Green, push it
1: and hold it till it's green. I'm going to read a really powerful passage here.
2: You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, his resurrection life not only brought us, delivered us from the power and the captivity of sin, but Jesus paid for our victory and our liberty this morning. And I love what Paul said to the church at Ephesus here. It says, that because of our faith, this is Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus where he says, because you believe in your faith in Him, He says that God may give us the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of Him that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, may know what is the hope of His calling and the riches of the glory of His inheritance to the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him in the right hand in heavenly places, far above principalities and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body. And I love this last part. It says... The fullness of Him who fills all in all. That's powerful. He fills all of Himself in all of us. That's what that means. To fill all in all means He fills all of Himself in all of us this morning. Those who are believers. How many here out here are believers? The Bible says the fullness of him who fills all in all, all of himself in all of us. That means we have healing. We have resurrection power. We have victory over sin. We are triumphant. We are more than conquerors. We are chosen. We are blessed. The Bible says He's raised and seated us together in heavenly places. You are victorious because of Jesus. We're going to just commit this time to the Lord. How many of you are ready to be taken into the heavenlies this morning? God has amazing things. He's going to open our eyes today. He's going to open our hearts. We're going to hear the sound of angels. You believe that? Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the atmosphere of heaven that abides upon us this morning. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that because of the blood, we have access into the Holy of Holies. Right into your presence, Lord. And Father, where wisdom dwells, where life dwells, where the power of heaven and the power of your greatness, Lord, abides in, upon us and in us. Lord, just have your way. We commit this time. We ask, oh Lord, that your river would flow through us this morning upon us. And we commit all things to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right.
0: fullness of joy God we know that there's so much for us in your presence Lord just make us aware of your presence today let us just be reminded that you are the God of the possible Lord that you make all things new
3: I am not with you, but I will be with you, saith the Lord. I will be with you in those times of trouble. And those times of trouble in our nation and around the world will intensify in these end days. But as you stay close to me, as you seek my face, I shall be with you, and I will be with you in the deep waters, and I will be with you wherever you go. You call upon my name, saith the Lord, and I shall be with you always always do not forget that you are my child and because you are my child i will not let you go far away for you are mine i have called you and i've shed my blood for you and i will be with you and i will be with you always because i love you so much Call upon my names. My name is the name above all names. And when you call upon me, I will show you who I am. I am your Father, your Abba Father. I am your everything. Call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Church, the Lord is with you just when we were singing this song the Lord just showed me that we're, we're preparing we're in preparation you know when he told the prophet to go out and eat and drink he was preparing him for a long time without water a long time without food I don't know what the future holds, but God does. And he holds the future. But I know he's saying, draw close to him. We need to get our strength from the Lord daily. This is a time to seek his face early in the morning, all day long, and late at night. The Lord just put an urgency on my heart as we are worshiping. That we as his church. He loves us so much. He wants us to be prepared. And ready for the days ahead. Oh thank you Lord. Father we just thank you. You're so good Lord. So good.
2: Jesus came, the Bible said he came to bring the message of the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus began his ministry, he began to make declarations over the entire land. You see, Jesus' coming was to commemorate an Old Testament feast and blessing. It was called the year of Jubilee. All of those who were in slavery, all of those who were in debt, all of those who had lost their way was completely restored to them. It was the year of freedom and liberty. And this morning, I want us to do something because I feel that... You know, anytime we begin to worship the Lord, you know that the powers of darkness are at working? The devil wants us to make us think about what we've done wrong and how big we are. But we're going to declare Jesus as Lord this morning. We're going to declare that he has purchased our victory this morning. We're going to declare the freedom that he has Purchased for our salvation this morning, amen. How many of you ready to make a declaration this morning? You know, there's nothing that makes the devil more angry than for God's people to declare what God's Word says. I want us to do something. I want you to say, I am... and we're going to pray freedom. We're going to pray this morning that there's going to be a new freedom and a new revelation, a new vision upon my neighbor, my, my friend, my, my spouse, my son, my daughter. Father, we just, as we hold hands, Father, we just declare healing power. We declare life, oh God. We declare strength for weakness. Lord, we bind the spirit of poverty over your people this morning we break that poverty mindset and we we declare the riches of your grace upon my friend this morning lord god the spirit of liberty the spirit of life in jesus name set them free oh god release the power release your life upon them in jesus name oh god there is nothing Nothing impossible with God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, mighty God. Worthy, O Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, the Lord spoke to me this morning. There's someone that you've come this morning. If you've been fighting a prescription medication addiction... Lord spoke to me says I'm going to break that spirit. It's a demonic unclean thing. You've been addicted for years on something and the Lord wants to set you free this morning and I want you right now to just say I am free in Jesus name for whom the son sets free is free indeed. Someone came this morning with an oppression. The doctor diagnosed you as to know that there's been a battle, and there's been a struggle between the soul and the spirit the Lord wants you to know that you are free for whom the sun sets free is free indeed, you need to declare what Jesus says rather than what the doctor says, you declare your healing, you stand on the promise this morning in Jesus name I want everyone to say this, I am in Jesus' name. I am healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, God. Amen. I'm not going back. I am not going back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, God. Thank you, Lord, God. Thank you, Lord, God. Amen. There's been several... Been several this morning that have been struggling with a spirit of fear. There's been a spirit of fear that's gripped your heart. There's someone this morning you've been isolated and you've just been cut off, and you've you've just kind of crawled into a hole in your own emotions in your heart, and the Lord wants to release you out of that spirit of shame and spirit of fear, and he declares unto you this. And He comes this morning to release you from the, from the prison of guilt and condemnation this morning. He comes to set you free this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I just... We break off that spirit of condemnation. We bind the lie of the enemy. We bind every stronghold of the powers of darkness over our minds fear we bind it in Jesus name we give you praise we give you praise in Jesus name in Jesus name hallelujah amen how many of you know the spirit of fa- the father is this is here among us this morning he's, to, he's breaking that orphan spirit that that spirit that isolates and he's coming to release the spirit of sonship release the spirit of life upon his people this morning amen you're no longer to look at yourself as some kind of an outsider you're an insider you're part of god's family this morning amen you believe that you're part of god's family in jesus name wow thank you lord thank you Thank you, Lord God. How many of you believe the Word of God? You know, the Bible says greater. Everyone say greater. Greater is He who is within me than he that is in the world. I've got to get great things in my head. I've got to start possessing a great mind. I've got to stop thinking small-minded thoughts. I've got to stop looking behind me. I've got to start looking to the future got a great future. I've got a great plan. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You see, you're never going to walk in victory until you start thinking victory. You're never going to come out of darkness until you start walking in the light. You're never going to come out of weakness until you begin to possess the thoughts of greatness. God wants you to begin to possess greatness in your mind, your life. I want everyone to be seated for a minute. Just be seated, would you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. I got a word for you.
4: Come up here, would you.
2: Amen. The Bible says... sinner. Hasn't even entered into your imagination the great things God has for you. God has closed the door on everything in the past. You have a future. And you know what? It's bigger than you can even imagine. You know what? What Satan meant for evil, you've walked through a history of brokenness, with despair but God has given you a testimony and that testimony is going to bring deliverance and healing to other women and I just want to tell you right now you nothing ever ever to be ashamed of. God sees you as a queen He really does but He needs you to agree with that Amen and you know what, you're free you're totally free. There is nothing to look back to. There's nothing to go back to. God has given you a future. And he wants you not to think about this head. Yeah. He wants you to move forward in your heart. He wants you to start living and acting, talking, and thinking like a free woman. And let me tell you something else from your heavenly father. This is from your heavenly father. He's proud of you. You know the Bible says, When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. He wants you to know. He takes your ashes and he gives you beauty. He gives you the oil of joy for Lord the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You've been like a dry tree. Now he's planted you by a river. And you're going to experience the refreshing both you and your husband. God has amazing plan for you. It's bigger than what you can even think. you you said, said this to yourself. I've walked a walk, and I've walked the life that others haven't. you said that. you said, I've, I've gone places, I've experienced things that others haven't. I've been hurt where others haven't. But your problem is no problem, and it's nothing. And God, God takes pleasure in choosing you. He's chosen you even before you were in your mother's womb. I, I, just, I just felt like I hope this morning preserves the prayer, of the Lord's book. So if you tell her that well, there's a new day. You're going to see things begin to loosen up and break. I see finances beginning to move in your life. I see your health being restored. God's going to touch some things in the area of the physical body or doctors. Just see the Lord doing a work in the area of the organs of your body that are restored. Father, we thank you. The Lord comes this morning to bestow a word, a word of honor.
3: He comes to honor you. He comes to let you know that the shame is in the past. It's a day of honor.
2: It's a day of... Promotion saith the Lord. Expect great things. Praise God. Give me a bow. Amen. Is God good? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Wow. God is faithful. You know, folks, I want to tell you, I, I believe the Lord is bringing a paradigm shift in our lives. He's, first of all, He has to do it in the way we think. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart so easily. God's bringing a paradigm shift in our thinking because we'll never live differently until we think differently. God is bringing this shift in your life because He's going to use you and use your life as a testimony of His his abiding grace. Amen. Amen. He loves you this morning. Father, we thank You. We thank You for the great things You're doing among us. We thank You, Lord, that You're healing and restoring. Lord, we believe in divine visitation. Lord, You're coming to visit us this morning. You're coming to open our eyes. Coming to heal the eyes that have been closed, the eyes that have been blinded. Coming to open the ears, Lord, that have been deaf. You're coming to open the hearts, and enlarging our hearts. There's there's been a there's been a closed heart. There's been a hardened heart, but God's coming to water and refresh it. And your life is going to be like a watered garden, a watered garden, saith the Lord. I sense this morning that someone was recently. Traffic accident. I don't know who, but I just sensed that we're in a traffic accident. And whoever that was, there was a kind of a jolt on your body. You've been experiencing some, some pain and some issues in your life, and the Lord wants you to know He's touching your body. Coming this morning to you touch your body. If, it, if that's anybody here, has it, anybody been in an accident lately? Amen. Anybody? Praise God. Okay? Hallelujah. Usually I get somebody afterwards that come up and say, Pastor, it was me, but I was too scared to raise my hand. That's okay. Amen. That's all right. I just feel like the Lord wants to minister to you, whoever that was. Praise God. God is good, isn't he? Amen. 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 How, how many of you believe God wants us to have a good time in his presence? I, I believe God wants us to realize the church is changing. God wants church to be a place where you come. Now, this is going to be new for some of you to actually have fun. You know, to actually have fun. I mean, God's breaking the mold here. I mean, God God wants to open your eyes. He wants you to know that it's it's not about getting stoned or it's not about you know going out. And, losing your life and losing your mind and um, everything else. He wants you to know that you can have a restored life a restored life, a restored relationship and experience His loving kindness and still have fun. Amen. My Bible says He comes that you might have life more abundantly. Everyone say more. Abundantly. God has something more. Everyone say more. He has something more for you this morning. Amen. Have a testimony what God has done for you. Anyone have a testimony. Come on up, come up and share what God's been doing. Thank you, Lord.
4: Well, when you talked about accident, it wasn't a car accident, but it was an accident that I did in my driveway. I was coming out of my driveway yesterday morning uh, on my way to uh, Paul for lunch, uh, I hit like a curved light, but it was one of those sharp slates on the side and I bust my top So I felt something going down on my way, then I got no further than Spring Creek and God said, pull into the drive in Spring Creek. So I pulled in there, and when I got out of the car, there was a big old hole in my tire. And I had just bought those tires about a month ago. So I was like, okay, Lord, this is a woman that's in distress, and I don't know who to call, you know, what's going on, how I'm supposed to work this out. So the Lord told me, I'm not going to say the person's name. The Lord told me to call this person, and I did. So the husband and the wife, said wait wait a minute let me call my husband so he can come and meet you so he came and met me he came and took my tire off he put the little donut tire on and then he said wait a minute let me take you to the tire place so you can get a tire you need a tire I said I know I said I do I, I do have the tire money but I had it for something else so he took me to the tire place Lord and behold, he said, wait a minute. He said, I'm going to buy this tire for you. You know, I see God, I see you always there. You know, I mean, every time I, I go through something, you always there. And see, the enemy wanted me to, he wanted me to feel like I was all alone, all by myself. No one to help me. But see, that's his job to do that. To, to you know, to keep my mind the all shackled up. But God had already renewed my mind from the beginning. So I didn't get all shaken up. But I was just saying, Lord, I know it's got to be you to help me. You know, but when you go through something, just call on the name of Jesus. Call on help. That's your help. That's your help right there. So I felt like I was not alone. And when this person came, he took everything had to do nothing you know just wait on my car you know and the Lord said just wait on because I got your back I got this okay so I just want to let you know don't worry about it you got God in your heart greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world you think that way and God is going to keep you and he's going to take care of you and I felt like okay God I'm all by myself you know so the Lord said no you got me. And I'm going to take care of you. Don't you worry about it. You just get in your car and keep driving. And I had just bought those tires. I said, uh-uh, not this. I just got these tires. But by me not paying attention to where I was going, okay, I just came on out the driveway, just going on and take care of my business. But the Lord said, no, you have to pay attention to where you're going because the enemy is after you. It's not like he's he's watching, going to and fro, to see who he can get. But just remember, I got your back.
2: Wow! Oh, wow! That's awesome. Amen. Come on, praise
5: God. And I was cleaning the grill for my daughter's birthday today. And I went to put the tray in and sliced my finger. And I could feel it slice, and I knew it was bad. And normally when people do that, they're like, ouch. Or if you're in the world, you say a really bad word. But I don't know why, but out of my mouth comes, I will not get stitches. And I was bleeding bad, so I went in the house, and I knew from seeing other people get cut really bad, when I put that under water, I was gonna scream. So I decided I'm not gonna scream. I'm gonna sing. So I stuck my hand under the water, and I started singing as loud as I could. What a friend we have in Jesus. And then I said, out of the blue, that. The woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment and she was healed. And I said, and so am I. And I pulled my arm out. That cut was sealed shut and no blood. So Jesus has your back.
2: Right. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Amen. You know, as... as uh, I have a strange word, but did somebody have some happy pancakes this morning? I, I, I literally felt like the Lord speak to me. Somebody had some happy pancakes. And I, I don't know. Did, did anybody have any pancakes at all? Anybody? All right. Well, I, they're all, I'm made with waffles, but I thought the Lord said happy pancakes. The reason why I said that, I felt like the Lord said that he's going to baptize your home with happy pancakes. He wants to baptize you with joy. He wants to baptize you with, with just a whole atmosphere of change in your life. Amen. It's okay to raise your hand if you have pancakes. Praise God. <laughs> you know. You know, I just I just run with God on these things. You may say, well, Pastor Ray, that doesn't sound very scriptural. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know when Jesus spit in the mud and told a blind man to go wash his eyes with mud. Doesn't sound very scriptural either, does it? But Jesus can use some unique things to try to speak to us. Amen. We serve an awesome God. He's the God of now. He's the God who speaks now. Amen. Well, it's Memorial Day weekend. We know there's a lot that are gone on the weekend on vacation. But we're having fun. We're having church. And by the way, you are such a blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're amazing. Turn to him and say, you are amazing. You are a blessing. Wow. What a joy it is to know you, to see you. You are awesome. Amen. Great and marvelous is his name. Let's thank our musicians for doing a great job. Praise God. Amen. Amen.
6: Amen. If our ushers want to go ahead and come down, we're just going to continue our... Breaking our freedom in the area of our finances, right? Yeah, you guys better run.
1: <laughs>
6: you know, Althea was given that word about, you know, and I believe that's just encouragement for our finances this morning. But she had to ask God what to do, right? It was something so simple. She had to say, God, what should I do? And God gave her a an name, and she, then she had to call that person, right? What if she said, oh, no, I don't, you know? She had to be okay with that. We had to be okay asking for help, Right. So I just want to say, God, we just thank you for our finances. We thank you for every blessing that we have. And I just speak freedom over our finances for anyone who needs to this, the boldness to ask for help or whatever it is that they would just come to you for your arms are wide open and you are a good and a giving God. And so I just pray this money we use for your glory and your kingdom. We just thank you for this awesome morning and the testimonies that have come forth and just to honor you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, it is Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow is our uh, Memorial Day. Usually we go to the lake. So um, if you have not done that or you're new, you know, um, there is out on the table, there's a little map that kind of tells you what part of the lake we go to. There's also um, details in here. It's Colin Park at Lake Levon, And um, we're set to go. It, uh, the, right now the weather is cloudy, I believe. So if it does rain, there'll be an email or something that comes out that says we've canceled. But We'd love to have you. It's fun. Bring your own food, but Pastor has the boat, and we swim if you want to swim. Just hang out. Bring your dog. Bring your friends. It's a good time. And then our summer schedule kind of changes for the summer. We don't do Wednesday night classes. Um, We kind of do something different every week. So you'll see this little yellow-orangish piece of paper in here, and that's got um, what's going on every week. And there probably will be um, every week kind of a reminder, this is what's going on this week. So um, this coming Wednesday, uh, the youth group is meeting, but regular adults and kids are not meeting. So um, you guys just keep your eyes open for the things that are going on. we got a lot of awesome stuff. We've got some teams getting ready to go to Cambodia. we just got a lot of stuff going on this summer. Just keep
0: yes, your, your eyes yes. and your ears
6: open and just be ready to have some fun, to minister to people, and just do something different. So. Um, Tiny Tots can be dismissed to their classes. There is no Power Kids today because there's no teacher. So if you're interested in teaching Power Kids, please see Kim Galvin. Yes. And then let's welcome Pastor Ray.
0: All right.
2: Wow, 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 wow. Well, we're going to have a great and awesome summer. Yeah, there's, we're, it's not that we don't believe in teaching, but we're just going to kind of change some things up, do a lot of relational things. Amen. And I'm just going to take us into the Word of God for a few minutes this morning. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank You, first of all. We thank You, Lord, that as we celebrate, commemorate all that Jesus has done for us. Father, we thank You for the watering of the Holy Spirit. We thank You, Lord, that You've established our feet on a solid foundation. Lord, You're doing an amazing thing in the church today, in our lives. Lord, and your kingdom is expanding around the world. There's more people getting saved and healed, and there's more encounters than we can even imagine because, God, you're moving throughout the whole earth. Father, we believe this is an exciting time to be alive. Lord, open our eyes and our ears to opportunities around us. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Do you believe this is a great day to be alive? I believe it is. I know that if you watch too much television, you turn on the news, it kind of gets kind of negative, and you know, we, we got the, what, what I call is the gotcha syndrome problem. Everybody's trying to catch people in the media and catch politicians off guard, and, and it's, it's really sad that we've come down this way. It seems like we can't get any deeper into the gutter uh, as far as it, where the world is, and there's such a pessimism in our society. But, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah 60, and it's really important that we understand this, it says that in the last days, gross darkness will cover the face of the earth. Now, what gross darkness is, it's, he's not talking about a literal darkness. He's talking about the absence of truth. Anytime you talk about the Bible refers to darkness, it's not talking about a literal physical light he's talking about the absence of understanding or revelation says that gross darkness will cover the face of the earth but he says this to the church and to his people but he says but you are the light of the world and he said let he says actually this arise and shine for your light has come He said, arise. Everyone say, arise. God's called us to arise. He didn't say, arise and hide. He says, arise and shine. Now, there's something powerful inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit. And God expects us to shine. Now, I I, I was driving down the road here. My wife and I were uh, going uh, somewhere can't remember what we were doing. We were driving down the road right here on Beltline and Garland, turning right. <clears throat> There's an athletic club over there, but there was a gentleman standing on the corner. And he had a big old sign up and he, and he said this, Jesus loves you. Uh, that's all it said. Jesus loves you on this billboard. Now I thought to myself, and you know that 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 particular method of evangelism is kind of uh, a little bit outdated, and worn out. Although it's the message is still important and prevalent. But how many of you believe God wants our light to shine from where we are and who we are, uh, not just standing on the side of a a street corner, uh, uh, letting people know that it's it's uh, it's almost become a mockery in some way. But but Jesus wants. The church to recognize and one of the reasons why we minister the grace and we we teach on our spiritual identity is because once people come to know who they are and wha- where they're at and who they are, and why they are, they are, what they are, what God has done for us on the cross, then that, those people get excited. People start coming alive. How many of you know that today with this whole battle that's going on and, and you know if you've heard anything in the news. ...with the, uh, the, the movements that are going on in the news... ...the whole gender problem and issues... ...and some of you may wonder... ...why in the world is this going on in America? Uh, well, let me tell you something... ...the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood... ...that the, the battles that are taking place... ...are because Paul says in Corinthians... ...that the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of men... ...and we get into these battles... And let me tell you one of the reasons why there's this huge civil rights issue, and they've made it a civil rights issue about transgender and homosexuality, all of these things that are taking place. And it's so important that Christians don't get into, into the, the bashing of, of individuals that are, that are taking these particular positions. And it's because God wants to use you to bring solutions. Amen. Now, it's not going to be in the way that we think, but uh, the title of my message this morning is Seeing God in the Furnace. That's the title of my message, The Daniel Effect. But I want us to realize that one of the reasons why there is a confusion and a darkness on the earth is if Satan can somehow bring confusion. How many of you know Satan's the author of confusion? If you can somehow distort God's original plan when he said that he made male and he made female on the earth. If you can somehow distort and bring confusion concerning your gender identity... Then you will never come to appreciate why God created you the way you are. And you'll never come into the fulfillment of what God has created and what he has brought and put inside of you. That's why there's this big argument today. And it's interesting why you have men that believe they're a woman or there are women that believe they should have been born a man and all these these confusing arguments. There is a satanic and a demonic plot behind it. That's why we don't get into battles with flesh and blood. That's, That's why we don't get into political arguments. Christians should not get into arguments with unbelievers or in a political setting. That is never going to help anybody. In fact, I've come to find out that when people want to argue with me about the Bible or with Christianity, what they're what they're usually trying to do is either prove a point or they're trying to catch me off guard. It doesn't serve any purpose. One of the best things you can do when people that are opposing you, arguing with you, is we need to learn how to get the bigger picture, and we need to learn how to learn to value people. We need to learn how to recognize the real. Need behind their argument because their argument is nothing but a front. To test your faith to see if you are really real, if you're really genuine. I've come to find out with unbelievers and people that don't know the Lord that when I don't argue with them, when I don't fight them, but I rather show them love, the love of God, they have a greater respect. And I come to find out that love is one of the most powerful ways of disarming an argument. How many of you have ever been in an argument, but you disarmed the argument? When you disarm people and they begin to realize, wow, you're not here to fight me. You're not here to argue with me about Jesus or your Bible or your Christianity. I will not argue with people. Do you know why? Because it's fruitless. It doesn't work. But when you begin to meet a need in their life, all of a sudden they say, why do you care so much? Why, why do you... You know, I just slandered you. I just slammed you. I don't like you. And I don't believe in the God that you preach it out. Why are you showing me love? And you begin to say, Because I love you because we have a God who loves you. You see, how many of you know love always disarms people? Love is what causes their defenses to just fall apart. Now... Back in the book of Daniel. I want you to jump back with me for a few minutes in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. I need to say something this morning because I've had a couple of us in our church thought, Pastor Ray, man, your message last Sunday brought some confusion. How many were confused with me last Sunday? Amen. I'll pray for you this morning. Amen. Praise God. Well, I, I want you to know that I am not compromising any biblical standards I, 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 uh, I want you to know that I still believe that Jesus' death on the cross is powerful and His death washed away our sins. I still believe that if we don't repent, if we don't turn, if we don't learn to receive the promise, and the riches of His grace, I do believe, the Bible teaches this, that there is a real hell, there are real devils, there are real demons, I do believe there's a real heaven, There's a real hell. Uh, The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, I don't want to go down this road this morning, but the Bible talks about that there is a wrath to come. There's a wrath. Now, we are living right now since Jesus coming and when he comes back again, we are living in what the Bible refers to as the dispensation of grace. This is a window of time. Everyone say a window. You know what a window is? A window is a door of opportunity. We are living in a time where God's grace is abundant upon the planet. In fact, Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 8, he says, I did not come to judge the earth in his first coming. He did not come to judge the earth. But when he comes the second time, Malachi 3 and John 8 and other passages, Matthew 24, when Jesus comes the second time, the Bible says he's going to come And in his wrath, he will consume his enemies. So there is a wrath to come. But that's not what we're preaching. That's not the message now. The message is the message of hope. The message of faith, love, and hope. The message of God's grace. Why is it that? Because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the wrath of God. Now there is wrath. There is the wrath of God. But it's not wrath that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness. Everyone say the goodness. And it's important that you understand that unless you've been baptized in the love of God, and the love of God is saturating your life and your mind, and unless you've been baptized into the knowledge of God's goodness and who he is and how awesome he is, and that Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus likes evil people. Jesus likes perverted people. Now, he does not like their sin. He does not like their ways because it destroys them. But he loves them as people. He cares about them as people. Everyone say, people. It's see, so long the church... We have kept our distance from people in the world because of their ways and because of their lifestyle. But Jesus did not call us to go into some kind of a monastery or in the church and be separated from the world. He said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. In fact, he said, come out of the world, be separate, say the Lord. But yet at the same time, he says, I send you as lambs or as sheep to the slaughter. I, I send you into the world. He says, go into all the world teaching all nations whatsoever I command you making disciples of all nations that's the mandate that God has given to the church and Jesus said that I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit with power everyone say power the purpose of the power was not just to to bless you with his presence the purpose of his power was to give you confidence that when you are in a difficult jam That your light will shine. Your mouth will open. That your heart will be receptive. That you will be able to, in season and out of season, give a word in due season and be able to bring a word of hope and a word of life. God never intended for you to sit there on your little soapbox and begin to tell everybody how bad and how wrong. That God never told us to come down and to modify the behavior of mankind. Jesus said to let your light shine. And that light is faith love, and hope. I am to literally be the eyes, I am the hands, I am the feet of Jesus, demonstrating the literal personal, uh, personal personality in the very life of my Heavenly Father to a, a, a dying generation. And I don't know about you guys, but my heart weeps. My heart is broken for the lost. I care about the drunk. I care about the addict. I care about the prostitute. I care about the person lost in the occult. I care about an addict. We we should be caring and and our hearts should be broken when we we see people that are broken in their marriages and their lives and their children are lost. It should, it should draw you to a place where you begin to cry and intercede for them. If you have no heart for the lost, if you, if you have no desire to win the lost, I, I, I want to ask you this morning, do you have the love of God abiding in you? But our nation is changing right now. Now in Daniel chapter 3 I want to just start here Daniel remember was living in a season in a time very shortly I need to say this as background Daniel was living <clears throat> with three other Hebrew boys and the story really uh, uh, is is centered around these four Hebrew children now of course there were several 100,000 Israelites Under the captivity of Nebuchadnezzar, who was world power, a very dominating world power, the Bible says that this man was a very evil, he was a very wicked, he was narcissistic, he was self-absorbed, he was very wealthy. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 2 that God had given Nebuchadnezzar all of the realms of every kindred, kingdom, and nation around the world. God gave that power into his hands. It's in Daniel chapter 2. But Nebuchadnezzar kind of let it all go to his head. He was a narcissist, self-centered, self-absorbed. And uh, many scholars today liken Nebuchadnezzar to Adolf Hitler. In fact, probably even worse. He He had no problem. He slaughtered, slaughtered hundreds of thousands of Jews in 650 B.C., when he went in, for 200 years, the prophets of God warned about the impending judgment upon the Israelites because of their mixture and their idolatry. And because they had rejected and turned away from the Lord. And God was warning them through, through the prophets that unless you repent and turn from your idolatry, God would send Babylon, Babylon upon them. And God was going to use them and there would be 70 years of captivity. And we find that Daniel literally was a governor. He was a sand trap. He was also uh, one of the leaders in the provinces under four different generations, from a young teenager to a very old man. God raised Daniel to be a prophet and a voice. But not only that, he was also a leader in a very worldly system. Now, my point is this, folks. How many of you believe that for several decades... The church in America has been focused on the rapture. I don't know about you, but I'm going to kind of date myself. But I remember when I was in Bible college back in 1973, no kidding. I'll never forget the majority of my Bible college class believed that we would not see the year 2000. We thought that 2000, we were going by certain timetables in my Bible college. And we thought Jesus, there were books out, by the way. There were books out that were saying Jesus was going to come by 1988. Well, guess what? 1988 came and gone. We're still here. In fact, we're here in 2016. Well, my point is, what happened was the mindset. I even had two college buddies of mine that made this commitment. They said, you know what? We're going to take the Nazarite vow. We're not even going to get married because Jesus is going to be here and we're all going to be out of here by 1988. By the way, those two guys finally got married. But they, they they made they really had this idea. But here's what happened: while the church was focusing on the rapture, we left education, media, and we left the media and politics. The church had no influence over politics, education, and the media. And guess who took over in America? You have uh, uh, this the sway of our our generation today a lot of people they begin to realize you know what we need to captivate the young people of this generation the church for decades did not have an influence over the media over education and over politics And but now we're finally realizing we should have been awake we should have been alert we were not aware of what was going on because we were just we had that rapture mentality God get me out of here And that was a wrong attitude. Uh, By the way, I I was guilty of that myself. God, get us out of here. Jesus is not interested in just getting the church out because there are people he loves. There are people he died for and there are people he wants to save. And he wants to use you to do that. But in Daniel chapter 3, we find that Nebuchadnezzar, for the sake of time, Nebuchadnezzar, just had uh, an idea, and he's had a dream. By this time, <clears throat> he's acknowledged Daniel and has set him, promoted him in Daniel chapter one and Daniel chapter two. Daniel gives the interpretation of the dream, and Nebuchadnezzar is impressed by this young Hebrew boy by the name of Daniel. The Bible says who God had it, had endowed with wisdom and understanding, and also the interpretation of dreams. By the way, folks, this is not a book in the Bible about four young boys who are weak that are just kind of hanging on uh, for God to deliver them. These guys recognize that even in these dark, evil, oppressive times, they recognize this as times of opportunity. How many believe that Christians should be more excited when days get darker? We need to be more excited. We need to be saying, you know, this is opportunity time. We're not in and we're not kind of going underground. No, that's not what we're doing. We're not waiting for the rapture. This is the opportunity. By the way, do you know that the light that you have shines the best and the brightest when it's the darkest? And so what happens here is these guys saw it. They had a revelation. Well, they they weren't victims. They weren't worried about their life. But in this passage here, we find that Nebuchadnezzar gets an idea in chapter 3. And he begins to develop this beast. And he builds this mammoth beast about six stories high. And he commands all the nations of the earth to come and bow down and worship this beast. And you see it here in Daniel chapter 3. And we go on down here to say that that, that when he built this image in chapter 4, that when a herald would cry out and he was commanded to the people, verse 4, this is Daniel 3, verse 4, when it is commanded to the people, the nations and the languages, that at those times when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, and the lyre, and the psaltery, and the symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down in worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now this was a threat. This was a mandate. And so the music goes out, the command is sent forth, and what happens is everybody bows down. Everybody begins to bow down to the call. Now, how many of you know that there's a call going out today? How many of you know that we may not have a Nebuchadnezzar, but there's a spirit upon our nation that is seeking for even everyone to bow their knee and agree with a certain persuasion? There are certain persuasions. Young people are facing it in their schools. It's called peer pressure. It's the pressure to bow their knee and to compromise To give up their virginity, to compromise their values, and to go with the crowd. The same spirit that was on Babylon in Daniel 3 is the same spirit that is prevalent today. The same spirit to bow to the gods of materialism, the gods of immorality, the gods of insolence, the god of the occult. I just want to say something here that today I'm amazed at how many Christians don't even recognize. I talked to a man several years ago when Harry Potter, had come out. He thought that Harry Potter, how many remember Harry Potter went global? It went worldwide. If you ever understand anything about Harry Potter, it's about these young kids who get involved with the supernatural and with the occult. It's about witchcraft. Folks, do you know that the theme of Harry Potter was not chosen by accident? There was a reason for it. It is to open their minds and their eyes to the power of a hunger and a desire that's even within all mankind. Do you know there's a desire in all of us to know what's supernatural? Because you were created supernatural. But what's happened is Satan has taken what God has even meant for good. And Satan has taken it to pervert it. And to make witchcraft something that is a game. Or something you can play with. That it, it's just harmless. That's the way Satan baits young people. Is to make them think that their involvement in the occult or witchcraft is harmless. How many of you know that's a lie from the enemy? Do you know that right now, since Harry Potter, the, the books came out, the movies have come out all several couple decades now, do you know, this is from the Barna report that I took uh, some time ago, that it has created an interest worldwide where 17% of teenagers worldwide because of Harry Potter have seriously considered witchcraft as a lifestyle. That's a dangerous thing. Witchcraft is something you do not play with. If there are Ouija boards, you need to burn them. The Bible talks about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, when Paul went into Ephesus, they took the books, the charms, the occult figurines, the symbols, and they burned it. Why? Because it's not a game. There are spirits behind those things. There are lying spirits. There have been people that have lost their lives because of the occult. By the way, today, and it blows my mind, where young people today are getting on these video games, internet video games, uh, Warcraft, all of these demonic figurines. Folks, this is not something you mess with. You but know, I'm pastor, it's just a game, I, you know, I shoot him, he dies, the demon dies, he comes back alive. No, you don't understand, the message behind that is a message to empower you to think that you have powers beyond your own human powers and it wants to give you that kind of sensation and it's a lie it's birthed out of hell and it's intended to distract and to deceive you i want you i I think this is so important when we get into daniel chapter 3 we find these things very alive and working in the in the nation of babylon by the way which is the province of Iraq today. But notice as you come down into verse uh, 16, some of the uh, Chaldeans came to the king and said, by the way, king, there are some people that do not want to bow down. There's some that are not going to bow down to the image that you have made. And so they bring them before the king and the Bible says in verse 13 that King Nebuchadnezzar was enraged and fury." Uh, As they brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then as they brought them before him, the the king responds that says that if you will bow down when the music plays, good. But if you will not worship, you will be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? The guy's kind of arrogant, isn't he? He seems to think that he is even above God here. I love the response of Shadrach and Meshach. He says, and Abednego answered, verse 16, to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Wow, what a thing to say to a king. We have no need to even give you a response. How many of you know it's it's great to know that your God is bigger than any king? But listen to the response of these young men. If that is the case, verse 17, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, everyone say but if not. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. How many of you know that takes a little back, backbone right there? <clears throat> now, that was not dishonoring. That's not, that's not being negative. It may make us that way to the king. But here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego realized. They honored Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, if you go back into chapter 1, in chapter 1 it says this, in Daniel it says this, when they were brought by the eunuchs before the king, it says this concerning Daniel. And it says here in verse 19, Daniel 1, And the king interviewed them, and among them all was none found like Daniel, Hananiah, and Abednego. Now notice what it says at the end of that verse. Therefore, they served before the king. These guys were serving the king. That meant they were around those influences, and they obeyed what they told them to do to a point. Everyone say, to a point. How many of you believe we need to obey the laws of the land to a point? When those laws begin to cross God's laws, that's when we don't obey. But up to that point, it says they served the king in chapter 1. Go back to chapter 3 again. And it says here, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, chapter 3, verse 19. The Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the expression of his face changed toward Shadrach, and he spoke, commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times more than was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, casting them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, the furnace exceed, exceedingly hot, the flame of fire actually killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery first Furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Everyone say astonished. <clears throat> and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, O king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loosed, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning furnace, saying to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Servants of the Most High God, you come out, come out of here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the set traps and administrators and governors and the king's counselor gathered together, and they saw these men whose bodies the fire had no power, and the hair of their head was not singed, nor their garments affected, And the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word. Now listen to this. Here's the king talking about himself. He says, their God has frustrated my word. How many of you like to hear the testimony of ungodly people give testimony of how great your God is? Now listen to this. Go on here. Who delivered his servants, who trusted him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, language, which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And their houses shall be made a heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Can you say amen? Now, let me get some perspective here on this. I think we need to realize something. Isn't it amazing that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego gave their testimony to the king concerning whether they would or would not, or what, that they would not bow down to that image. How many of you know that they didn't see God? They didn't hear a word from God. I don't believe they felt the presence of God. They just knew the fire and the furnace was hot, and they were being thrown into it. And notice what happened when they got thrown into it. Who was the one who saw the fourth man? It wasn't Shadrach, Meshach. It was the king. My point is, folks, there are times where you're going to be thrown into a furnace and there may be things that you may not have heard from God or see anything from God. But guess what? You're being put into the furnace so God can give testimony of his glory and power as they see the fourth man they saw the fourth man now they experience Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they begin to experience and they experience his presence in that furnace and God delivered them out of it my point is is there are times where God may allow us to be go through situations and it's because God is going to use the situation for his glory As we begin to yield even under under these kind of situations. And I believe that we as a church need to begin to have an understanding of what's going on. Now, I want you to go back with me to Revelations 18. Revelations 18, very important passage here. Because Revelations is the New Testament counterpart to the Old Testament book. In Revelations, John is writing concerning Babylon. And listen to what he says. When they're erecting this image back in chapter 3 of Daniel, notice what Revelation 18 says about this same beast. He says and he cried mightily and says and after these things I I saw another angel coming from heaven having great authority and the earth was Illuminated with his glory and he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen. Is fallen, has become a dwelling place of demons. A prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Let me just say this so we understand this. When God is referring to Babylon, Babylon is a system. Babylon refers to a political system. It refers to an economic or a socialistic system that is not kingdom, the kingdom of God. And the Bible says, this Babylon, and he's referring to the last day Babylon, is full of uncleanness. It is full of demonic things. And notice what he says about it. He says, she has committed fornication with the kings of the earth. Now, what is fornication? He's not literally talking about sex here. But the word fornication is an illicit relationship that is not lawful in the eyes of God. And what he's talking about is these kings have united for an illicit purpose for gaining wealth and gaining riches in an illicit way. In fact, if you go back and you study Babylon, you'll find how Babylon oppressed the poor. And it says they have committed fornication. The idea if they've become united in a purpose for taking advantage of others. In fact, if you go back again, I, I, for the sake of time. But he goes down here and says, notice what the word of the Lord in verse 4. Another voice from heaven saying, come out of her my people. Everyone say my people. Lush. You share in her sins unless you receive her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and the God hath remembered her iniquities. Now this is, by the way, this is yet to come. This is a prophetic word. And notice what it says in verse 7. I want you to hear this because this is is talking about the world system. In the measure, verse 7, that she glorified herself and lived in luxury in the same measure, gave her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am no widow, and I will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will utterly be burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. And the kings of the earth who committed fornication, lived lived luxurious with her, will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment. Four times this phrase, standing at a distance, in this passage. And God begins to talk about, jump down with me into verse 22 of the same chapter, Revelations 18 and the sound of the harpist and the flute and the trumpet shall not be heard in you anymore notice the same language that was back in Daniel 3 somebody's calling hello <laughs> shall not be heard in you anymore no craftsman no craft shall be found in you anymore and the sound of the millstone shall not be heard now notice that and the light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. This, 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 is, this is powerful stuff here. Whoa. Are you following me this morning? Do, do, you, do, you, do you know what is, what's going on here? Let me tell you. God is talking about the system, the world system that is going to be judged. There's a judgment coming. I and mean, said, so, say, well, Pastor Ray, man, well, what are you talking about? Well, God warns in Revelation 18 that God's people need to come out of Babylon. Now, that, that God's not saying for us to go into some mountain and hide away. No, God is saying that we need to be careful not to be caught up in its illicit relationship of deceiving people and manipulating other people for our own profit. That's what he's referring to. And the deception because it was making money. It was all about becoming famous. It's all about getting bigger and richer at the expense of putting others down. God doesn't like that. God doesn't like the way people treat people. If it's ungodly and illicit. And so God is warning here. Now I want you to go back into into Daniel chapter 3. Because what the Bible is teaching here... is that we have these four Hebrew children that are making a difference by becoming a voice. And up until this time, I, I want to kind of close. Uh, uh, Jerry, can you put some... some I, I want you guys to, to, to see some statistics here. I want you to see, this is a recent book by George Barna. He's just come out. The Morality of Self-Fulfillment in America. This, this so ties in with the Babylonian system. This is by George Barna. Go to the next slide. Uh, this is what millennials ge- ge- generate, actually uh, baby boomers and elders, believe moral truth is relative. This is the percentage. Only 39% of people my age, or they believe that it is relative, The moral truth is relative. In other words, that means this. In other words, you believe that moral truth is what you want it to be, the way you think it should be. Uh, The millennials have a greater percentage of believing that truth is not absolute. It's relative to whatever you think or want it to be. That's what the term relative means. The next slide. Our generation agrees the best way to find yourself is by looking within. 91% of all Americans today, in America, Believe that the way to find or understand your identity is to look inside. That's humanism. That's what Babylon, Babylon is all about. Seventy-six percent of practicing Christians don't find that the way to find yourself is from the Bible. They think it's by finding it in yourself. That's that's three out of four church-attending believers. I, I'm just letting you know, that's not a good percentage. How many of you know we find ourselves in Christ? We find it from being identified in our walk and relationship with what Jesus did, not in myself. I, my identity is not who I am and what I do. And it's not connected to how much money I make and my position on my job or how famous I am. My, my identity is what Jesus accomplished because what he, without Him, I am nothing. The next, next, any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable. 69% of adults believe that, 40% of Christians believe that any kind of sexual expression is acceptable. How many of you know that that's not what the Bible teaches? Now, I'm not suggesting that we use these I'm I'm showing you guys what the trends that our nation is heading towards, or what we believe in. I'm not saying this and using this in a way that we should use this against people. It's important that you know how they think. That's why I'm bringing this up. The next. The best way to find yourself is looking within. Okay, we we saw that one already. Uh, People should not criticize someone else's life choices. 89%. Of adults believe that. 76% practicing Christians believe that. Now I don't believe criticizing people ever helps anybody. But, but we, have a hard, we, we have a hard time speaking up though. Next. Uh, to be fulfilled in life you should pursue the things you desire most. 86% of all Americans feel that way. Adults. 72% of practicing Christians think that if you're going to be fulfilled. You've got to pursue what you want. How many of you remember what Jesus said? That a man who finds his life will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will what? You'll find it. See, that that's, this is contrary to what Jesus taught. Next. The highest goal of life is to enjoy it as much as possible. That's our world. That, this is Babylon. 84%, 67% of Christians... Believe that my whole goal in life is to be happy. Do you know that you can be happy and still not have joy and be fulfilled? Being happy, if all your pursuit is to be happy or to do things that make you happy, you're never going to find it. Jesus taught that. That's what this says. People who can believe whatever they want as long as those beliefs don't affect society is okay. 61% of practicing Christians believe this way. 79% of all adults. Next. That's it. Well, how should we we deal with this in closing? I want want you to go back with me in your Bible, just in closing here. I want you to go with me to some scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 2. What does the Bible say that we need to do? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. When we are in a society like this, what does the Bible say that we need to do? 1 Timothy 2 1 says this Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all. Everyone say, All. All, all men. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. In godliness and reverence, reference. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Notice what he says. My responsibility as a Christian is to pray for my leaders and to give thanks. Everyone say give thanks. Give thanks. Well, Pastor Ray, how can I be thankful for someone who's taken the laws and twisting it and perverting it? God's not asking you to be thankful for that. But he is asking you to be thankful that God is still in charge. See, I can be thankful. Let me tell you something. You need to preserve your attitude. You need to keep a right attitude all the time. Because people are watching you. People are watching you. Now listen to this. Go to the next scripture here. I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Notice what 1 Peter Actually, go to Romans 13 instead. Go to Romans 13, then 1 Peter, I'm sorry. Romans 13. Listen to what the Bible teaches. This is all speaking about a civil government. Notice what it says, chapter 13, Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by Who? Oh, I thought they were appointed by the Republicans and Democrats. It says the authorities that are appointed are appointed by God. In fact, do you know what it says in Daniel chapter 2? That kings are removed and taken away or set in place or removed by God. Now you may say, well, I thought I had a vote in this thing. Well, God lets you vote and he uses the consensus of the vote. God does that. Notice what it says. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Well, Pastor Ray, I'm confused. Are you saying that I should that, that if abortion is going to be the law of the land, that I need to obey that? No. Well, the Bible says we're to obey every ordinance. No, it says we're to obey every ordinance of man. But when man's ordinance violate God's ordinance, that's where the line is drawn. God's not asking you to cross the line where it violates this Bible. Now, notice what else Paul goes on down here to say: For rulers are not a terror to good works, verse three, but to evil. To want To be you? Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do you want do you, do what is good, and you will have the praise of the same. Or he is God's minister to you for good. I remember one day I got a citation, speeding ticket, and I took, looked at this cop, policeman, and I didn't I, I didn't like it that I got a citation. But I said, Do you know that you're a minister of God? And he says, What? I said, You're you're a minister of God. He says, No, I'm not a minister, I'm a policeman, I'm a garland policeman. I said, Well, I know you're a garland policeman. But the Bible teaches that you are a minister and a servant of God. And I am so thankful you're doing your job. And he looked at me. He says, are you trying to get out of this? I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm not trying to get out of it. He says, what, what are you saying? That? Who, who are you? a pastor. I said, I'm a pastor. But I'm not. I just said, I want you to know I'm grateful for you. He was totally shocked by that. I, I, I don't know. It may look like I was trying to tease him with a... Something, but, but I wasn't. But they, the Bible says, they do not bear the bat, bat badge in vain. He's a minister of God for good. Yeah, the pastor, aren't there bad cops? And yeah, there may be. Doesn't matter whether bad or good. The Bible says they're still ministers of God. God says that. Notice what it says. Therefore, you must be subject, verse 5, not only because of wrath, but also for your conscience sake. For because of this, you also, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, we need to wipe out verse 6. Oh, God forbid that we should read verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes. (gasps) I didn't report everything last week. Well, the Bible says we're to obey by paying taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Well, Pastor Ray, I don't agree with it. The IRS is stealing everybody's money and I don't agree with that. It doesn't matter. You still obey those laws in the land. I know it's awful quiet in here, praise God, but the Bible says we're to pay our taxes. Render therefore to their dues. Verse 7, To whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Let me, you know, I remember one day, I asked the Lord this. I said, Lord, why should I obey their laws when they don't? And God says, that's the very reason. I want you to obey the laws that they don't, that they write and don't obey, so it will be a testimony against them. Do you know God wants you to obey their laws that they write that they don't even obey? Let me say that again. God wants you to obey the laws that they write that they don't even obey so that when they see your good conduct, they glorify God in heaven. That's what's supposed to happen. In other words, how many of you know there's a lot of legislators that write laws that they don't even follow themselves? Well, God doesn't give us an excuse to get out of it. In fact, this is where I want you to go. Jump back with me to First Timothy, or I'm sorry, First Peter. I'm, I'm almost done here. I know my time's gone. First Peter, notice what it says. Verse eleven: We're to abstain. First Peter two eleven: Having our having abstained from fleshly desires which war against the soul, having our conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you falsely as an evildoer, they may By your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king or to the supreme or to governors and to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that you do good. That doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, not using liberty as a cloak for vice. But as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Everyone say all people. all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And boy, this is a tough one. Honor the king. How do you honor the king? I'm going to write down. I'm going to go through real quick. Five things you do to honor the king. Honor, honor those that are ungodly. Number one never get into an argument with him. Never argue with ungodly leaders. It never works but also your not arguing uh, actually sets them up where they begin to become defensive anyway. They are coming and they're ready for a fight. But uh, you never argue with them. Number two The way we let our light shine is we find a need in their life and we meet that need and we serve them. God has called us to look for the needs. There are leaders, there are people that are making laws that are contrary to God's word and God wants us to honor them by serving and meeting their needs. Number three, we build value and significance And here's one. By building a friendship with unbelievers. We need to build friendships. We need to learn how to build relationships. Building value and significance. And the last thing. We create an atmosphere of honor. By praising and affirming the positive things that leaders have done. We need to look for the positive things even though there's a lot of ungodly things, you may say, oh, pastor, why would you do that? The Bible says honor the king. God is calling us to be separate. It is easy to tear people down. It is easy to argue. It is easy to get into a biblical debate. But when God says for you to love and honor the king, do you know what you're doing? You are letting them know that they're important, that they're valuable. And the last thing is this you're going to gain their ear. You're going to gain the ear of people that are in opposition against you because you value and you respect them by focusing on their needs and valuing them as a person. I'm not for the laws. There's a lot of laws that are contrary to God's word. And I, I told this person this last week, uh, Pastor, what if, what if our government, government comes to New Life Fellowship and says, I must hire a transgender to be on staff at New Life? I told this person, and I'm telling you, I will be put in prison before I hire a transgender individual. It's not that we don't love them, it's not that we don't care about them, but I will, I will allow myself to be arrested for that because it violates God's word. But I will pay my taxes, I will obey their speed limits, I will do all the other things that need to be done. But when it comes to God's laws, we will not cross those lines. I hope I'm making sense today on these things. We're coming into a really politically charged atmosphere and. Christians are in battles and they're arguing and, on the workplace and families and churches. And folks, God has called us to be peacemakers. God has called us to usher peace. I can disagree and still honor people. I can disagree with them. God's not calling us to condemn. He's not calling us to stand up. And, God's going to judge this nation. No, that's that's not a word that needs to come from my mouth. I need to tell this nation that needs God. God still loves them. God has a plan for good things for them if we turn to Him. It's not my place. To condemn political leaders, and get into little battles with other people, and send emails out and slander, write this email, sign this petition if you're against this leader. No, that, that's, that's not what believers do. That's not what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They served in the palace, they honored the king. They verbalized their support and, and to a point in the things that were helping in, the, in that society. But when it come down to bowing down to the image and compromising their integrity or their values, they said, no, we will not bow. We will not bow. We need discernment in dealing with these delicate issues. Don't get into a fight with other Christians. Don't get into battles. It doesn't serve any purpose. Just say, we need to pray. We need to pray for our leaders. They are there by God's appointment. God raises and God takes down kings whenever he wants. Amen. Are you hearing me? I know I went way over this morning. Please forgive me. Uh, Let's let's stand to our feet, shall we? I'm going to let you go. I believe that we're coming into a season where we need to be in prayer John had an amazing, uh, the Holy Spirit, it was not just John, it was the Holy Spirit speaking to us today. We're coming into a season where we don't necessarily know what's up ahead. But I do know this, if we are prayed up, and if we're prepared, we're going to come through this season and we're going to see revival. I believe we're going to see God move. When we begin to love the unlovely, when we begin to love even the ungodly, that's the greatest testimony. We're not getting into debates and battles over policy and ordinances. That's not our purpose. are not going to get into a debate over the gender issues. We just are going to glorify God in our bodies. And if, if we have to go to jail, we may, have, we may be thrown in the burning furnace. But God's going to reveal Himself. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank You today. Lord, we know that we're living in changing times. Lord, today I'm asking you, Lord, as a pastor in this church, that we would recognize that this is an opportunity for us to let Jesus shine through us so that we might win the world we live in. Let us not be like the sons of Zebedee who wanted to call fire down from heaven and destroy the Samaritans. But Lord, let us have the same Spirit that Jesus had who came not to gather the righteous, but to seek and to save them that were lost. Help us to have a compassion for the lost and those who are even in leadership today. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Give someone a hug.